Hi, my name is Christine Handy, and I am the author of the book, Walk Beside Me, and you are listening to the podcast called Relationships and Revenue with John Hewlin and myself. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome everyone to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. I am your host, John Hewlin. So happy you decided to spend some time with us today, either listening or viewing us. And today I have a very special guest, Christine Handy. Christine, how are you? I am well, thank you for having me. You bet. Super excited to have you here today. Now, folks, if you don't know Christine, let me give you just a little bit of an introduction to her. Now, Christine is a best-selling author. She's a speaker. She is a model. She is a mom, and she is a breast cancer survivor. I would take it a step further, and I would call her a victor, but that's my term. I haven't heard her use that yet, but I suspect she might use something along those lines. So, Christine, I just gave highlights. I mean, barely scratched the surface into who you are. So what I would love for you to do for our listeners today is to just take us back, go back as far as you want, just kind of give us a history of how you got to where you are today. Okay, how long do we have? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, as long my, as you want. My story is long um, and very detailed. I started to model when I was 11 years old. Um, to very disgruntled parents. They really didn't want me to get involved in that world, especially because I had three other sisters at home. Mm. And I started my career in St. Louis, Missouri for an agency called Talent Plus. And I started to model and I loved it. And it ultimately became a 30-year career. Wow. Um, I, I picked my college based on um, having a bigger market, a bigger mm -hmm. modeling market, a bigger agency bigger dem demographics. And I, I pretty much, you know, figured out my life based on my modeling career. And ultimately, uh, when I was 41 years old, mother, wife, model still, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I had no family history of it. I had no, there was no rhyme or reason for me for getting it. I was allergic to, to sugar. And I, you know, they say sugar is a proponent to getting cancer. I couldn't even eat it. So there, who knows how I got it anyway. So I went through 28 rounds of chemotherapy, which in the cancer world is a huge amount. Wow. And to date, I have had, um, about 12 non-elective surgeries with my breasts and breast wow. cancer related. And then about nine with my arm. And that's a whole separate issue, but going, that was going on at the same time as breast cancer. So I basically had two major health issues going on at the exact same time. I was scheduling chemotherapies and breast cancer surgeries between arm surgeries and trying to take care of two teenagers and trying to take care of my home and everything else that we get, that gets thrown at us in a day-to-day -day world. Right. Sure. And so after, well, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I, I felt like all that trauma that I was about to go through, there had to be purpose in it. And so when I was starting to go through chemotherapy, I had a ton of women show up for me. And that was, that was not an accident. 
and because they were part of the story. Yeah. And so I decided that I was going to write the story. I was given a lot of books during chemotherapy and cancer, a lot of self-help books, a lot of religious books, and those were incredibly helpful. But there was not a book, a fictional depiction of somebody's life that I could read because I wanted to know like what happens in the family, like what happens with the friends, like what's the good and the bad and the ugly. And there wasn't that. And so I wrote that story mm. and I'm, I'm not a trained writer. I am now going to Harvard and getting my master's degree in creative writing and literature as we speak. Very nice. Uh, yeah, that's another uh, aspect of who I am, I suppose. I'm a, uh, I have a zest for learning. Anyway, going back to the book. So I felt like I had a responsibility. After all that trauma, I needed to share my story, not for my sense of self-worth, but you know, really to share the story for other people. Mm. And, and I felt like most of my life, especially in the, in the modeling world, was very transactional and very very dependent on exterior, uh, the exterior facade, facade, which is what I was completely dependent on in my life. Mm -hmm. And ultimately when that was completely stripped away with breast cancer and surgeries and chemotherapy, I had no hair, I was 90 pounds and I had lost what I felt like was my identity. I, I decided that, you know, I needed to figure out who I was inside and inside was what mattered, but I had no idea that that actually mattered. I thought what society thought of me mattered. I thought what kind of bag I carried mattered. I thought what kind of car I drove mattered. And, and it turns out none of that stuff really matters. And so, you know, figuring that out at 41 years old was not easy. It took me many, many months. But once I did, you know, my life became one of service. And how could I help people with my story? And, you know, I have a big audience now because there was a space for people to become vulnerable in our society, right? Like there's so much pride and ego and what we want to show the world, especially in the age we're living in with social media. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to show my, the bad that I went through and I'm going to show the bad characteristics that are maybe that were in my life and who I was and show how, you know, I overcame those and people really resonated with it. And the book became a bestseller and, and now the book's being made into a film and and I realized that people need to be vulnerable and people need to hear other people's story. Storytelling is powerful. It's very healing. And it, it's the only ultimate way for people to understand each other. So I would agree with that. You know, <clears throat> in fact, I would say probably the greatest teacher who ever lived taught best through story. Yes, of course. Yes. The Bible. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, but there, there's something about that. It's because when you're telling a story, it's generally about people and we can relate to that in some way. If, if in no other way, it's about a person and it's a person who's telling the story. So right. that makes it relatable. Just those, let alone if we can actually understand and appreciate what the heroine is going through in this. Yeah, but don't you think in storytelling, especially on social media or, you know, just look around in the society that we live in right now, people want to paint a picture of a different story, right? Okay. And you're going to have to flesh that out for us. <laughs> Tell me what you mean by that. Well, I mean, we live in an age of uh, lighting and filters and, um, you know, maybe exposing a different story than what is true. 
And so when I go to share my story, I don't want to just put the good. Like I could have told my story in one way, which was look at all these women that showed up for me. Mm-hmm. They, they're incredible, right? They took care of my family. They took care of me. They gave up their resources. They gave up their time. They gave up their lives to, to care for mine. That's one part of the story, right? Right. But there's so many other parts of the story that aren't very flattering of me. And I could have, I could have kept those stories out, but I didn't because that's not the whole picture. Exactly. And so I think we're missing that in, in society today where there's a, there's a short picture that we're showing and that's not really, that's not being vulnerable. That's only, that's partial storytelling. Well, and then you, you hit upon probably the most important word right there. And that was vulnerability. Uh, vulnerability, some, I won't say even most, some people view vulnerability as a weakness and that somehow any weakness is a bad thing. The truth is it's not a bad thing because it makes you relatable. And if people can't relate to you, why would they continue to listen to you? It's, I, can't, I can't form a bond with someone that I can't relate to. Right, yes. Pride is, pride is insecurity, ego is weakness, vulnerability is power. Oh, agreed. I totally agree with that. You know, uh, but you make a very valid point about social media in general. And that is it's, it sets people up for failure to begin with because you're encouraged to share only the absolute best parts of you. But even then it's not always true because of things you mentioned, like the filters, you know, trying to make things look a certain way and create a certain narrative for folks instead of I say it this way. If someone wants to know about me, they can look at my social media because who I am on social media is who I am, period. In my real life, I don't hide things from that. It's like they want to know stuff, things that I messed up. I don't have any problem saying that because my goal is to help people. And if sharing how I messed up helps somebody else, all the better, which believe it or not, is the entire point of this podcast this relationships and revenue comes from my place of pain my divorce which took place almost 11 years ago wow yeah and i don't want other men to end up like me because mine was preventable as i think most are yeah most of us as men i don't mind saying this we suck at relationships we're (laughs) terrible at it but it is it is our fault but not a hundred percent and here's why we are not as encouraged as boys to learn about things like feelings and emotions. When a boy hears something like boys don't cry, that shuts that off immediately. Yeah. That's, that's not true. encouraged for us at all. And yet the, the women that we end up with desire above all things to connect with us on that heart and emotional level. Yes. I mean, that's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I am. It is in a sense, relationship oxygen for you all. That's how you're able to breathe and to live is because you need that. It is your sustenance. Yes. And it is upon us as men to learn how to do that. Right. It's about being real and raw. That's how I say it. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, we we've in our culture, we set men up for failure and we set them up to be shamed if they show any emotion. Sure. Yeah. And so how do you get out of that? It's, it's a generational burden. If you're taught that from a child, then you're not going to change that because that's a generational burden. 
Oh, so, yeah. So we have to go through things like divorce and, and failed relationships because of those types of generational burdens. Oh, absolutely. Nailed but, it. Yeah. And, and what I tell guys all the time is because I get pushback, of course, from men. Oh, John, that's female domain essentially is what I hear. That's, that's the woman's world. You know, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't understand it. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. No one determined ahead of time it was female domain. Just because most are better at it than you are doesn't mean it isn't something you, can, you can't learn how to do. So I tell them to view it as a new skill set. That's a good idea. If it's your business, your job, and they say, if you want to keep your job, you got to learn this new skill set, guess what? You're going to put in extra hours and late nights to learn how to do that. Yes. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. That's good. how you get better. Good for you. I'm going to send all the men out there to you, <laughs> your podcast. Okay. That's right. Bring them on because we're here, we're here to help and serve, help them get better. Yeah. And you really are a great orator. Like I, I'm clubhouse is new to me and I listen to you speak and I listen to a lot of other people speak and I'm not, I don't like to compare, but I think that you are long winded in a sense, meaning you actually have, you have purpose in what you say. And a lot of Clubhouse, in my opinion, is very short and sweet. But when you expand on that, which you do, the audience appreciates it because life isn't short and sweet. And the, <laughs> and the nuggets that you give are really powerful. So stay that way. Oh, thank you. That Honestly, I'm honored. Thank you for saying that. That, that means a lot um, because I, I really do. I'm very purposeful in what exactly. I do. Um, I don't always speak, but when I have something to say, I do, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Because there's plenty of people, and Clubhouse is just one example. It's not the only one, but there's right. plenty of people out there making noise who aren't saying anything. Anything. <laughs> anything. I totally yes. agree. And I don't want to add to the noise. I want to cut through it. You do. You do that so well. Well, thank you. Bravo. <laughs> It's, it's nice to know that my work is paying off. So, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> all right. So, so I have to ask, there's a couple things. First one is why the continuing ed, but specifically why Harvard? I, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious because my suspicion is that you're not going there right now right. to attend. So you're probably attending online. Correct. Okay. Yes. But I started a year and a half ago. I, decided, well, after I went through chemotherapy, I did have a thing called chemo brain. It exists. Oh, it, no, tell, it, tell us about that. Cause I, I'm not familiar okay. with what that is. Chemo brain is, it's a, it's a basically a brain fog and it mm. happens a lot to men and women who go through chemotherapy. So after treatment or even during treatment, that all those chemicals going through your body that kill cancer cells, as well as healthy cells, they leave your brain in a, in a sense, in a fog. And so it's like, it's hard to read. It's hard to focus. It's hard to have meaningful conversations. It's, you know, you can be very weepy and, you know, it's very difficult. It would be very difficult to learn. And it's very difficult. Your, my language skills changed. You know, I was always in front of a camera my whole life. Like I'm really good in front of a camera. I was taught to be good in front of a camera. And after chemotherapy, I was stuttering a lot and I had a really difficult time with language. And so I decided, cause I read about it 
they, they suggest you do puzzles and, and read more and try to read more, even if you have to read the same page over and over again, which I did. But ultimately I said to myself, well, what do I want to do with my life? If I'm going to write a book, do I want to continue to write after that? And I, and I said yes to myself, hmm. but I wasn't trained. And so I thought, well, this is a good opportunity for me to try to learn. It's going to be really hard because I have chemo brain. So whatever institution that I decide to go into is going to be really hard. And, but I'm going to push myself, right? Mm -hmm. So what did I decide to do? I decided to apply to Harvard, like one of the most rigorous master's program in the country. And I will tell you after a year and a half into it, I have no chemo brain and I have no chemo fog. I have no brain fog and my, lang my, my language skills are completely back in tune. So for me, it was a way to get back my life, right? Sure. And it was also a way to be trained into the skill that I'm currently doing, which is being a writer. Nice. Okay. So are you thinking in terms of writing up more books or are yes. you thinking, okay, more books? Yes. yes. I've published several articles and I have written a second book, um, but I'm currently changing that book because I'm being trained in a way that I'm such a better writer. And so I want to go back and edit that before I publish it. So no, I want to be a novelist. I am a novelist. I want to continue to do that. Okay. That's definitely a different skill set than it comes okay. to writing more like self-improvement style books or how-to books, that sort of thing. So yeah, that's, that's very different. Yeah. I've never written a self-improvement book. My, my book is a fictional depiction of my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I love writing fiction and I'm currently writing a creative nonfiction. So. Oh, Okay. That's an interesting way of putting that, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Creative it's a, nonfiction. It's a, genre. it's a new genre. It's been around for about 20 years. I, I love creative nonfiction because it's it's true, but it gives you a little creative liberty. Okay. Uh, give us some examples of some titles of creative nonfiction. Eat, Pray, Love is probably the most popular that people would understand. That's, okay. a, creative, that's a creative nonfiction. The Wall Street... Journal and the New York Times have a ton of articles daily that are creative nonfictions. I'm writing, I'm writing two articles right now. I'm going to submit them to those publications. I don't know if they'll be printed in there, um, but I, yeah, I'm currently writing two creative nonfiction articles about what happened to me last summer, which is a whole nother story. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're pursuing this new avenue of being a writer. Yes. Uh, what else is going on in Christine's life right now? So I'm a motivational speaker, which is kind of my bread and butter. But as you know, uh, that's taken a little turn during COVID. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> so I, you know, I am my movie. The film has, has been paused as well. So mm. basically all of my streaming income has, has stopped because of COVID. So I'm just finding other ways to use my talent, use my, use my gift of serving other people, mm -hmm. whether that be on, you know, pouring more into social media or doing some more clubhouse or writing more. Those are the types of things that I'm pursuing until the speaking world comes back. Cause that's really my love. I love being on stage in front of a ton of people. Oh yeah. Not well, because, I'm with you there. Not again, not because it's ego driven. It's I know I'm helping other people. Right. And you're able to make that connection. Yeah. 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 And it, people, it, need, people need that. People need that one on, you know, that space where you're in front of them. They do. They do. I mean, we can do it this way. It's just, it's not quite the same. 
It's a substitute. It is. It is. And and not a great one, but it works. <laughs> For, now. For now. We'll That's be back right. there, John. We'll be back there. That's right. That's right. Okay. So because we do focus so much on relationships in this particular podcast, tell us a little bit more about how you work on your relationships, the ones that are most important to you. I find that to be, it's a great question and it has to be very active. Mm -hmm. And I, I preach this all the time to be a friend. You have to be a friend, right? I mean, to be, to, to be, have a friend, you have to be a friend. To have a family, you have to be a member of that family. And those, that be, that's a responsibility, but that's an active action. And so for me, on a day-to-day -day basis, I reach out to people. Maybe one day I choose somebody from high school that I haven't seen in a long time. I'll reach out to them and say, hey, how are you doing? And it's not because it's not fluff. Like I literally want to know how they're doing. And that's how you really concrete relationships. I mean, I have two sons and my sons are 20 and 22. And they really don't want their mom. They don't really want to talk that much to their mom these days because they're doing their own thing. They're in college. Oh, I understand. And so I, I'll email them. I'll e email them some maybe spiritual things. I'll send them Bible verses. I'll, so it's all these different ways where we can reach people um, with different senses. And I'll send my kids some food or something. Yeah. So you use all the different senses in the ways that you can reach to people, but, but use more than one, right? Don't mm -hmm. just throw, don't just throw out a text, right. call, FaceTime, text, email, use them all. And that's how I, I concretely um, nurture my relationships in the business world and in, a, in the personal world, both. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I talk often about is the impact that our personal relationships have on our business relationships. Um, yeah. Many times if, if things aren't going well on the home front, so to speak, you'll see that in your business relationships. And right. so like when I do business coaching with people yes. all the time, I don't ever start with the business. I start at home. I love that. Yeah. And, and most people are very confused when I start that way. And it's like, there's a process when you work with me, this is part of the process. I said, but I promise you it's going to be worth it in the end. You know, it's, it's kind of like trying to get a surgeon to explain what a surgeon does. And if you see what happens, you're like completely grossed out. And it's like, how is this going to get to the end result? You don't know. Right. It's like, but so you just have to trust that the surgeon knows what he or she is doing and that you'll get there in the end. Yeah. yeah. I think time, you know, time is our ultimate commodity. And the more mm -hmm. time you put into relationships, the more time you put into specific people and, and you carry it as a responsibility. You know, there, I, you see so many families that don't carry that as a responsibility and, and they don't, they don't stay close to each other. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a process. And it's a, for me, it's a job. I have to, I want to stay close to my kids. So I'm going to work. I'm going to work every day on that relationship. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, for those of you watching, you know, I have pictures of me with my kids behind me all the time. That's my 20 year old there. Wow. My son, he's in college. My two girls are 16 and 15. And then uh, unfortunately for me, they live in Texas with their mom and stepdad while I'm in Kansas. So um, wow. I am an empty nester. So wow. yeah, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's just different is all it is. It's different. So yeah. I, in fact, I had a conversation just before coming on this and the person I was speaking with, she was telling me that she was so looking forward to her kids being out of the house. And I just said, you know, don't wish that on too soon yeah. because it's real quiet when they're gone. <laughs> it's really quiet and not in a great way. 
Yeah. You have to be really, really good with being with yourself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. So if someone were to come to you right now, especially after having listened to this particular interview, it's like, okay, Christine, I, I need some advice. What would be some advice you would give? I'm going to, I'm going to set you up on two different fronts here okay. on the, on the personal side, how to best work on relationships. Cause we kind of been talking about that, but then over here on the, on the business side, how could I be smarter about how I do things? How do I navigate a career change, which is essentially what you're doing right yeah. now. Yeah. So what would you say to those folks? Well, on a personal level and probably this pertains to both. I think self-esteem is at the core of all relationships, including with yourself. Mm. And what I mean by that is if you don't build up your sense of self-worth, you won't believe in yourself enough to have really good relationships. And that, that goes for both personal and business relationships. Nobody, people that don't have a high sense of self-worth or self-esteem, they're not going to jump into a different career. They're not going to have the prowess or the charge, right? Necessarily to do that. They're going to be, they're going to be so fear-based and they're going to be so afraid to put that foot forward that they're not going to do it. And, and most of the time people that start a new business or start a new relationship, they quit in the middle, right? The beginning is so easy and, and fun and the end is great, right? The, the accomplishment and the money and right. And the success, but the middle is hard. It's muddy. It's sticky. It's dirty. It smells. And that's when people quit. But if you have a strong sense of self-esteem and self-worth and self-love, you're not going to quit on yourself. And failing isn't, isn't even part of the equation because you and I, we fail all the time. For sure. Because we put ourselves out there. But that doesn't matter to me. I, I can step on failing all day and still say to myself, I'm, I, I'm a good servant. I do a good job. And I'm not going to let failure get in my way because I have a, a high sense of self-esteem. 10 years ago, before I was diagnosed with cancer, my self-esteem was at a zero. You know, I was so dependent on what I looked like and people's value of me. I was dependent on their opinion of me, society's opinion of me. And when that was taken away, I thought I had no worth in this world. And it turns out my worth was just different. And it was within myself. Well, of course, it was got within God. That's first and foremost. And after that, my value is within myself. And so I think when people compare and put themselves up against society or other people, then that's the ultimate self-esteem destroyer. And so if you get rid of judgment, you get rid of, you know, that comparison, you're setting yourself up for more success in the business world and in the personal world. For sure. For sure. You know, you made it, you made an excellent point earlier when you're talking about failing and you also mentioned the word failure. And I, I think this is an important point to, make to folks because there is a big difference between those two things. Failing means that you are trying something new and you just didn't do it right, which means you have an opportunity to learn from it. It's not a guarantee that you'll learn, but at right. least the opportunity is there. Failure is a state of being. You have chosen not to act, not to move forward. And essentially you're choosing to be stuck. I can't help a person who chooses failure, but I can definitely help someone who chooses failing. Yeah, that's great. I can definitely help that person. Yeah. Yeah, and I can help the person that's in the failure department because I'll work on their self-esteem with them. 
Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> See, we got that tag team thing going on there. Like that. Yeah. And, and I think in the business and personal world, in order to have a, a you know, a, a conscious self-esteem is to work on it, to mm. think about what you feed your soul, right? What you feed your mind. Like, what do you, who are you listening to on Clubhouse? Who do you go to? Right? <laughs> what, oh, yeah. are you, what are you listening to on TV? What are you listening to in your, on, you know, on your computer, on YouTube? And who are you listening to? You know, what people, what family, what friends? What are they telling you? And what are you saying to yourself in your own head? I literally- Oh my gosh, that is so important. Oh, I literally find myself like in a tennis game saying, you're so terrible. And I stop myself now and I go, no, you're not terrible. That was a bad shot. Who cares? Get over it. But, <laughs> but really, and, and there's some, you know, if like, for instance, if you don't, you and I, if we don't get a speaking job that we're up for, if we don't, if me, if I don't get a modeling job, I'm, I'm up for you know, 10 years ago, I would have been shattered by it. I would have been like, oh, I'm not worthy. Oh, they didn't pick me. Now I go, it was meant for somebody else. There's enough to go around. In fact, there's plenty. Yeah. There's plenty. So, you know, again, I think that's also pride. And once you get rid of that pride and dependency on the outside world, your life will change. And, and I think the first place to start is, you know, really checking on your self-esteem. How do you feel about yourself? Ask yourself that. Write down how you feel about yourself. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. Especially that writing down process, that journaling process. Very, very helpful. You know, I, the way I like to think of it is, if I don't love me, why should anybody else? It's true. It's a, it's a, people, <laughs> say that as, people say that is so cliche, right? But it's true. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, it's not that I won't have moments where I'm not lovable. Sure. Because we all have those, yeah. you know, and you've probably said something similar to your kids where I've said to mine, it's like, look, I will always love you. But right now I do not like you. Yes. Yes. You know, what you're doing is not okay. And I don't like it. Yeah. Good for you. That's good parenting. Yeah. Well, well, we, we <laughs> try, we learn. That's <laughs> the, setting uh, boundaries in relationships. That's great. Oh yeah. You know, of course the best I've heard the best parenting you'll ever do is as a grandparent. So <laughs> It's because you made all the mistakes and you've learned right. from it by then. So <laughs> right. right, we have a ways to go for that. Oh, thankfully. Oh, I'm so not ready to be that no. right now. I'm, I'm too young for that yes. as far as I'm concerned. So, <laughs> yeah, all right, Christine, how can people find you? Well, they can go to my website, www.christinehandy.com. I'm Christine Handy One on Instagram and YouTube is Christine Handy. Pretty much Christine Handy. I, Amazon, my book is, well, my book is sold in tons of places, but Amazon is the best place to get it. It's called Walk Beside Me by Christine Handy. Okay. <laughs> That's perfect. In fact, let's do this, folks. If you've made it this far through the interview, this is a great place for me to put this in. Christine doesn't know I'm about to do this. So. Okay. So what I want you folks to do, if this has really meant something to you and you would like to get a signed copy of her book that I will pay for, I want you to take your handy dandy phone out right here. I want you to, when, when it comes up on the screen, I want you to do a screenshot of this particular episode. You have to tag Christine and me both in it. You post that. And when I see that, you'll first of all, you'll get a shout out. We will respond to that. And then we will make sure that Christine gets you a signed copy of her book. Again, on me. She doesn't have to pay for it. I will pay for it. I got no problem doing that because, because it's important. I and love it. 
it and for those important. of you, who, and for those of you who know me, you know that my heart is for authors. I love authors. I know like four or five hundred authors, so <laughs> I, I know lots and lots of authors, and it means the world to authors to get their message out there because that's why every author does it. Yes. Because too many people die with their story inside them. Yes. So let's not be those people. Let's find our way of getting our story out. A book is just one way to do that. Now, Christine is doing it in multiple ways. She's also doing it in the form of a movie, which I can't wait to see when that comes out in whatever form it does. Yes. So if it's something I need to buy, if it's something I need to stream, whatever it is. Yeah, so I'm excited I, I, too. I am on board for that. So, yeah. so good. For real. I think that's great. I love it. All right, Christine, we're going to wrap up with our final four. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here comes question number one. Why did God create Christine? Purpose. Flesh that out for us. You purpose say purpose. And, purpose and pain. It's one of my mottos. There's always purpose and pain. There's always purpose and pain, but you have to have you have to be willing to to use it. Mm. Like I, I could just I could keep my story inside and it would be fine. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of people do, but I put okay. those I put that vulnerable story out there because there's purpose in it. Absolutely. The way I like to say it is my pain is not for me. My pain is actually for other people, but That's I have right. to do the hard work of working through the pain in yes. order to be able to do that. Yeah. It's a choice. And it's, yeah. hundred percent yeah. is definitely a choice. All right. Question number two, what are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Stephen Furtick. Okay. He's a preacher in North Carolina and his podcast. Elevation is, Church. Yep. Elevation Church. It's really helping me. And it has for a long time, for a couple of years, at least. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. He, he's um, an incredible preacher. I don't actually answer these questions for other people very often, but for some reason, I'm feeling the need to do that today. So I will tell folks, there is a podcast that I listen to all the time. It's a leadership podcast. It's the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast. It comes out once a month, first Thursday of every month. Um, I highly recommend it. If you don't know who Craig Rochelle is, he's actually the pastor of the largest church in America. They're large by being small. They have 36 locations in 10 states. Wow. So he leads a huge organization, but you would never know it if you met him, which I have. I've met him before. He and his wife, Amy, they're amazing people. But um, yeah, I highly recommend the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. If you want to grow in leadership and teamwork, oh my gosh, there is nothing better. And it's faith-based, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. It's the thing is, if you listen to it, very rarely would you know that he's a pastor because everything wow. he talks about is so focused on leadership and teamwork that it, it applies no matter where you are. I mean, okay. you could be at the bottom rung in this gigantic corporation and stuff he talks about still applies to you. Wow. Yeah. It's fantastic. I love it. All right. Uh, question three. What do you do for fun? Play tennis, walk, sports. Get in, I, I bike. I, I'm going to go for a bike right after this. I just like to be active, which is one of the reasons why I moved to Miami. So I could oh. be active. Yeah. I love Very it. Nice. Just being outside and moving, move your body. Oh yeah. Well, fortunately for you, when we're recording this folks, it is the 22nd of March, 2021. And so the weather in Miami is probably still very nice right now. Yes. For now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said for now. It's it's going to heat up not too soon. For so. now, yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right. And the last question, what are you most grateful for? God, faith, the people in my life that have shown me the, the works of God 
Mm. Um, yeah, just anything related to faith and, and God showing up. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. All right. Well, listeners, thank you very much for tuning in today. We've had a fabulous time talking with the great Christine Handy. Christine, thank you so much for your time and for sharing just a little bit about you and your story. It's been inspirational. It's been motivational. It's been hopeful and insightful all in one. Really appreciate your time. Listeners, thanks so much for tuning in today, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.